Today on the Fit for Purpose podcast, we're going to hear from Sandra Wallace. She grew up in Birmingham, setting her sights on a career in law. It's a profession that's harder than most to get into and one that struggled for a long time to be genuinely diverse and inclusive. Sandra's had a rapid rise so far. She's now managing director of the UK and Europe practice in one of the world's biggest law firms, DLA Piper. She was recently rated as one of the top 100 most influential black people in Britain in the Powerless 2020. We talk imposter syndrome, resilience, advice for Sandra's younger self. It's a great podcast on the very practical challenges a social mobility journey can face. So I hope you enjoy it. Sandra, you've spent a a, a career in the legal profession, but when did you first think that that's the career path that would be really interesting for you going into law? Um, It certainly was not as early as some might have thought about it because um, I hadn't come from a background where there were any lawyers or indeed anyone in the professional services. So uh, for me, it was something that, I thought about as a degree when I when I had enough confidence to believe I could do a degree um, when I was around uh, 18 when I thought about um, doing a, a degree I thought which which degree effectively sounds sounds quite good and and employers will race and I was thinking much more about that than I was thinking about the law. So um, it was really about getting a, a degree that was yes. mostly well regarded. Yes. Um, whichever career you wanted yes because I was taking three years away from not working and not bringing money into the house I was one of six and that's what you did you left school and you got a job and you brought money into the house um and I was going to take three years beyond the two I'd already taken to do that and and therefore I had couldn't sort of go in and say I wanted to do an English degree or whatever it was that actually had my time again I would probably have done and so it was doing a degree based on necessity uh, I suppose and one that sounded it was going to stand me in good stead and then I was doing part of that law degree I was doing employment law and studying things like uh, the trade rise of the trade unions and we of course were going through lots of um, industrial unrest at the time and that's why I decided actually this is this is an area of law that would suit me um, and that's when I, I really started to think, yeah, it's a, I want to be a lawyer and I want to be an employment lawyer. So the pieces started falling into place. Uh, you end up at DLA and then start a journey through that law firm, don't you, to get right to the top of it. Tell us a little bit about how you made your way, the challenges, what it was like. Um, even now, I still pinch myself, Justine. It, it feels... Um, like such a, a rise, meteoric rise from my, where I've begun. Um, the, the qualifying into become an employment lawyer um, felt like, as I said, the right thing to do. Um, but operating as I do now, still from Birmingham, meant I wasn't in the sort of in the centre of things, which is often still London. But um, recognised for the work I was doing in the employment group and then subsequently, um, uh, you know, as leading the employment group, which I did for a a few years across the UK, I was asked to become managing partner for the UK. And it's that role that sort of um, brought me to to closer attention and meant that I 
was asked to join the executive of the firm and managing and managing director for, for part of the European business. So it is a it's it's now even as I think about it, it was incremental steps that I took and I hope showed that I was able to deliver not only in terms of my practice but in terms of um, my people skills and my wider contribution to the business that meant that um, I was asked to join the executive in that role. And did you feel like you were confident doing all of that or if somebody had said to you right at the beginning by the way Sandra um, this is a stepping stone to see <laughs> that will take that will be have a journey that will take you right to the top of your your company you're joining. Do you think that would have been a bit of a scary thought? And it, it was would, almost better to have a steady evolution. Oh, definitely. Nobody would have convinced me that I was. I, I mean, I didn't even apply. I mean, DLA is a, a, a firm that I'm a, a now merged with, the firm that I started with, and. If anyone had said you'd have even been at a firm like DLA Piper, I would have laughed and then said they'd been, you know, drinking something or something. But um, uh, so for me, it was it, you couldn't have taken that beginning person, that beginning Sandra Wallace, to the person that there is now. But it's not even just that confidence, you know, the imposter syndrome that you have when you don't come from a typical professional services background is ever present and it has taken some convincing by some quite you know influential people in my career to sort of say yep yeah, you can do this and why not you um to, to make sure that I've you know not not backed off from some of these opportunities because there's been many a time when I thought yep yeah, I can't go any higher that's me um I can't do any more and it's taken including the current CEO, convincing and cajoling to get me to believe that this was possible. So mentoring turns out to be really important in encouraging someone to take that next step in a way, doesn't it? It's mentoring, I, you know, I can't emphasise the importance of it. And there's lots of things, isn't there? There's mentoring, there's sponsorship, there's the opportunities and the access to opportunities that all play their part. But absolutely, if this is not your world, you need people to be reinforcing that, you know, nonetheless, you can achieve things. And that was very important to me um, throughout my career. And of course, now for the law sector, like any other sector in our country, confronting this terrible coronavirus crisis. But I think looking at the response of the sector has been really interesting because a lot of companies, including DLA, have actually done a lot of external work to be part of a, a bigger national effort responding to it. Yes, it's it's just it's more important now than ever that as a firm we don't just put the hat, um, you know, put down the hatches and concentrate on ourselves. That we think actually, who is impacting, who is this impacting more than ever, and it's critical that we don't we up our efforts in that regard not think okay leave that that's a nice to have leave that to one side while we concentrate on our own business that that's just so short-sighted and and it doesn't do our communities any good so we've done um not what we can both internally um for the as a sector we appreciated that first of all our own people will be in situations where they need support where um, working uh, remotely will have its own consequences that they might have care or responsibilities etc so making sure we support those people 
making sure we support our Head Start program candidates so that they have come from backgrounds that might mean that it's not conducive to suddenly find themselves in the home environment and therefore making sure they've got the support. And then looking wider and saying, right, how can we deploy our teams such that our lawyers can provide resources that business, other businesses might need? Um, we are by a sector that's affected. I don't think there's any sector that isn't, but we're not by any means the worst affected sector, and we've got to keep uh, we've got to keep that in mind. And I suppose that as tough as it is now, actually companies like DLA are looking ahead to the future. You're obviously a law firm that's really put social mobility right at the heart of what you're all about. And it's why you've taken such a strategic approach to working in schools, doing all the work experience programs, the Head Start schemes, fantastic. How do you think all of that fits in a COVID-19 COVID opportunity gap world where we know that a lot of the gaps that are already there, ones that DLA as a company is really focused on playing a role in fixing, they get they get made bigger and, and they're harder to fix. So how do you think this COVID-19 opportunity gap is something that will matter to DLA after when we're looking beyond the current crisis and this current lockdown? I think what it's done is illustrate some of the big challenges that are faced irrespective of and, and I think you've done a podcast on this, in fact, and that gap. And it's so artic well articulate. You know, there's no good saying to people, go work from home, carry on everything you can do from home when there's no access to Wi-Fi. You might be in cramped family conditions. You might not have home learning capability. You might not have access to the technology that you need. And all these things we never we, we well, never think about. We've not really concentrated on in all our outreach efforts to date. Um, we've looked at what we can provide when they're in our offices, what we can provide when they're in the schools, how we can access to mentoring and all those sorts of things that very much are available when you are you're out and about and you can do all the, the normal contact um, activities. But this is really drawn home um, to everybody that's in, involved at DLA with how much more we have to look at um, the work the home environments, access to um, sort of home learning facilities that can really be done that are not just um, things that we can provide in our offices. So it's about opening our eyes to what's the whole life cycle of, uh, of the opportunities that we need to provide to people and what does that look like? So we can't just focus on, look, if they can come into our offices and we can show them what it's like to be a lawyer and we can sh uh, give, them this, uh, give them access to this programme while they're in our offices, that, that's us playing our part. We've got to think what more should we be doing and what more should the should business generally be doing to address some of the challenges that this crisis has brought out so for example you know some of the IT that we have we take for granted uh, as individuals a lot of lawyers will upgrade their iPhones or whatever their equipment might be personal equipment and um, maybe part exchange should we be saying as a business um, when you have equipment that goes that you no longer use or when you're upgrading we could that could usefully usefully be used for one of our um you know, one of our outreach programs and should we be harnessing those should we be um 
looking to provide upskilling some of our um, lawyers to not be teachers but to understand the, the 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 skills of home learning such that if this was the case we could talk students through how they can best motivate prepare themselves um, work um, when they're not in a school environment so it's about looking at all those things that really have come to the fore now rather than just um, the things that we provide when we're when it's business as usual so what you're recognizing really is interesting because what you're saying is that some of the programs that DLA Piper has done very very successfully are in school but if what we're saying is that young people might be out of school or indeed that more of the learning they do might be online that could be when they get to university too it means then you've got to also rethink your approach if you're going to have the same level of impact on those different kind of programs in different situations as you've had in the past. Absolutely and we've got to put ourselves more in their shoes and say let's not take so many things for granted that we assume that's available and so I think that's just a bit of a rethink that's going to happen in our business now along with some of the support that we're already doing. So whilst we nobody says we want these things to anyone would wish this circumstances on anyone um, it, it forces you to really really focus in on what's an experience like for people in lower socioeconomic backgrounds and what can we do when it's not business as usual what might what support can we do that might help them in the round and not just when they're in front of us in our premises or in school I think that's absolutely right and in a way there's already been a debate kicked off about the quality of the home learning environment for children and young people in our education system yeah. but I suppose in a way what we're also having to recognize is that extends into early years of careers doesn't it so yeah. if you are training to be a lawyer but your home environment isn't that conducive then if you're at a law company where it steadily shifts towards more home working because that's actually a, a cheaper more cost-effective way of running the business then it can directly mean that perhaps your version of home working is less good for you to be able to shine and be um, promoted and progress than maybe someone else who's got a bigger house better facilities more peace and quiet and can really then get on with their work um, uninterrupted I guess I think that's right and it, so it makes you then look into your communities and says what is out there what's available what are we supporting uh, how are we working with the local authorities the local enterprise partnerships to ensure there are facilities or access to facilities that that mean that they, there might be an environment for them um, that, that's outside the home but still means they can access and and, and still shine and so are we doing enough of that to make sure what is it, what is available in community wise such that they can that can support business so i, I agree it, it's even if we it changes the way of working going forward for a law firm we've got to look at actually what does that mean for everybody and not just um uh, the assumptions we might make about facilities that we assume everybody will have and, and technology that we assume everybody will have so I think there'll have to be more collaboration um, with our communities and our local authorities in order that business 
is, is co it has both bases covered. So almost you end up with a new relationship almost between companies perhaps and their local council or companies and the government where there's a more of a partnership in that relationship as both sides try to work out how they can help one another. Uh, with yeah. companies needing to help employees, but there's employees actually being part of two communities, yes. the place where they work, but also the place where they live. Yes, absolutely. And that means that people are not forced um, to, to move to, to, to get access to those facilities potentially. And it also means that um, that's a piece of what we're doing as part of the Social Mobility Commission, in fact, and, you know, people having to move out to move up. And the more local these things are for people, the more likely they can still rely on their families and their support network and still have access to those opportunities. So I absolutely think um, that's a partnership that we need to explore a bit more than we have, we have done at the moment. And when you look back over the career that you've already had, in law if you were talking to your younger self thinking about whether law was the right kind of path forward for you what would you what advice would you give to a, a, a younger Sandra now do you think uh, I would say <laughs> you have to <laughs> be <laughs> yeah I know you have to be really resilient you have to accept that there's going to be people telling you you're not that's not possible it isn't for people like us or you you've got to um, appreciate that not everything is going to be successful straight away um, and so that resilience piece for me is critical and I'd say to my younger self that you've got to try and really work on that um, but then resilience is different to confidence. And I would say, be confident. Um, don't uh, make assumptions about what you can or can, can't achieve. Um, because half the time you work much harder than a lot of people that don't have the opportunity, that have greater access to opportunity. So be confident in that um, and, and go for it. That's what I'd probably say to myself. <laughs> I think that's I think that's great advice and I guess what you've also been able to do is increasingly shape the company that you forge your career in DLA Piper as well and so not only can you have your own career you can hopefully make the career path for people coming after you hopefully that bit smoother in a way so that they can just focus on doing their best and, and perhaps have to confront fewer barriers than you did. Absolutely. I mean, it, it took me a while to realise I had any sort of obligation. You know, you sort of just think I'm just trying to do, get, get to where I need to be and do my family and, and, and balance all of that. And then you realise, look, you know, you've been given these these amazing opportunities. You now have your own access to amazing opportunities. You've got to let people know um, what is out there. So that's the first part. But then you've got to put your money in, your time where your mouth is, and you've got to make sure that your business is making that conducive. And we can't do everything as one business, but as a legal sector, if we get together more and if we work collaboratively together, 
which we are doing, um, but I still think there's more we can be doing, then as a set, that's really powerful. So uh, we are one business in many that need to appreciate this is not a nice to have, this is an, an absolute imperative. There's no skill shortage if we take, if we, if we harness the talent that's already in this country at all levels, um, and then we, we, you know, we, we all fly, you know, not only as a sector, but as a, as a, a country. Well, I think that's a really good place to finish. Um, Sandra, thank you so much for doing the podcast. And I've no doubt that your words of advice to your younger self will hopefully be one <laughs> ones that a lot of people can can reflect on and take some heart from and it's good advice it's certainly the kind of advice i'd give to anyway thank you very much for for doing the podcast podcast with us thank you very much my pleasure thank you justine for everything you're doing as well i hope you found that interview as interesting to listen to as it was to be part of and stay tuned for the next fit for purpose podcast